0: This is the kindness and happiness connection with Dr. Elia Gorgoras, the happiness doctor, and Randy McNeely, the kindness giver. Join us weekly with our invited guests as we share actionable kindness and happiness tips, insights, and inspiration to promote personal and professional well-being good morning good afternoon or good evening wherever you may be in the world welcome to another episode of the kindness and happiness connection podcast i'm randy mcneely the kindness giver i'm joined by my wonderful co-host dr elia Gorgoris, who once again is coming to us from greece and we are thrilled to have a wonderful man named amadou diallo with us today and i'm going to welcome uh, we're going to welcome him and introduce him in just a minute it, First, I have to ask, Elia, how how are you doing? You're looking happy and nice and tan. I'm happy
1: and tan. I I put my wife and my youngest son on the plane yesterday as they went back to Greece. So I'm missing them already. I'm missing my family. But I just think it's remarkable. We have Iowa, Greece, and Dubai, and we're all connecting from three different parts of the world to bring you uh, kindness and happiness, pearls of wisdom. And we're so excited and honored to have you on our show today, Amadou. Thank you
0: for being here.
2: Thank you, the honor is mine. I'm very happy to be
0: with you. Well, let me tell you just a little bit about Amadou. He's an amazing man. He's been the CEO of DHL Global Forwarding in Middle East and Africa since June of 2017. He was previously the CEO of DHL Freight, CEO of Africa and South Pacific, South Asia Pacific, let's correct that, DHL Global Forwarding, and prior to which he was a Chief Financial Officer of Deutsche Post uh, for DHL Logistics Divisions, and the Managing Director for the Integration of Excel and DHL. Uh, Amadou has more than 25 years of experience in the tourism, banking, express, and logistics industries. He's originally from Senegal. He's Senegalese, but he's fluent in six languages, including English, German, French, Fulani, Wolof, and Spanish. We're going to have to talk about Spanish because I speak fluent Spanish. Uh, Mr. Diallo is the chairman of AMREF in Germany, and I will let him talk a little bit about what that is. And he's on the boards of, let's see, Welthungerhilfe, I probably slaughtered that, and Africa 2.0 and Schiller International University. Amadou, it's just a thrill to have you here We appreciate you being on with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much.
1: I mean, his uh, languages are so impressive. I was just thinking as you're going through this list, I speak English and Greek. My wife speaks English and German, and my son speaks English and Spanish. So the three of us combined speak half the languages that you speak by yourself. (laughs) So that's pretty amazing. So. You know, given that this is the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast, we always start with this uh, question. And how do kindness and happiness play out in your life, both personally and professionally?
2: Well, thank thank you, first of all, for having me again. Uh, I'm very pleased to be with all of you and to share some of my learnings in, in life. So you know, personally, I I I come from uh, the south of Senegal uh, in a city called Kolda. It's a small village. Uh, It still is a small village, and uh, and my parents they came from the border from Guinea-Bissau to Senegal, which is really you know in the in a super remote place, uh, which is an even smaller village where you have roughly around four hundred people living in there. So and. um, For me, you know, all my process of growing, but as well the process of growing of my dad to be able to give us opportunity to learn and discover more has come out of a lot and many acts of kindness of many different people that have given him and then through him to me, you know, many opportunities to to learn about the world, to learn about cultures, to encounter different people from different geographies. And, you know, and all of this just makes you a bit more humble when you come back to your village. And I just came back from Caldera.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. What a wonderful thing. You're able to go back and, and, and be there with your people. And and how was the trip there? What, what was your purpose for the trip, just out of curiosity?
2: So, first of all, I went because I did not, did not travel since uh, COVID hit the road. Uh, I had not gone to, 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 to Senegal. And uh, now, I, you know, I have my two kids here who are studying in Dubai. So I I wanted to take them uh, to Dakar, which is the capital of Senegal, and to connect with their cousins and uh, uncles. You know, we have a lot of those uh, in our families because you have large families. And then also to go and make them discover where my grandmother used to live, you know, where where my mother was born, you know, all these small places. Because I think that, you know, when you're living sometimes in a little bit opulent cities, it's good to be reminded that, you know, the world is not just opulent place see people who are living in great humbleness.
0: Uh, you know, that is so touching, actually, as you think about it. And first of all, there's so many people around the world who have been so isolated because of COVID and haven't been able to go back and visit family. So it's it's great that you had the chance to be able to do that. And it says a lot about you as a father, thinking about your, your uh, children that are there in Dubai, giving them a chance to go back and to meet with family and also to see, to be reminded of their humble beginnings of where where they come from and and uh, be reminded that yeah you know life isn't all opulence in the city here it's good to have that chance to have that reminder and because it does help us to be humble helps us to remember you know and appreciate the multitude of blessings that we have and it's it's Ilya, go ahead I can tell you what yeah, and and
1: I, well I feel like I you know in some similar sense I come back to my ancestral home that's been around for over 200 years here in in Greece and it, it, I like the yearly because I come back every summer, the yearly reminder of the simplicity of life. like I walk to the bakery every day every single day you know you you just walk everywhere you you greet people. you can't go from for a few few blocks without people stopping you and talking to you every single day. There's something about the, the smallness of a place that has great beauty because in larger places and in opulent places, there's often anonymity, right? And even though you might be surrounded by millions of people, there's a lot of loneliness. And I feel like in smaller places where Amadou Diallo and his family is well known, there's that connectivity with you know aunts and uncles and cousins and, and uh, nieces and nephews and so on. There's something beautiful about that. And uh, I feel like it's important for us as, parents and as fathers to pass that on to the next generation so they can experience it too and uh anyway just uh i re- i can really relate to uh, what you said amadu what about happiness well, you talked about kindness growing up how is happiness part of your own personal uh, uh life and also uh, at the DHL even at work
2: Well, so, you know, be it at work or a little bit outside work, I I, I think that, you know, we are surrounded, we we live in society. So we are surrounded by uh, multitudes of people that we encounter on a daily basis. Um, We are surrounded and work with a multitude of people that work for our customers or for our suppliers or colleagues that sort of hang around with us in the offices. And, And the thing is that life is, I mean, that's how I was educated by my grandmother, you know, life is super short. So, and I think that there is always an opportunity to make of each day a best day for, for each of us. And, and, and to me, happiness, you know, is really defined by, you know, how much sparkling eyes I'm encountering on a daily basis so that it gives me enough energy to be able to go home and sleep without any pain in my stomach.
1: I love the sparkling eyes. I get exactly what you're saying, because that's, that's beautiful. Thank you.
0: Well, and, and you can't help but think about it when you know, we've got Doctor Eli Gregoris. He's called the Happiness Doctor, and there's a reason. He's always got a smile on okay. his face. Okay, maybe not, maybe not 100 of the time, but uh, nearly every time we speak, he, he's got a big smile on his face. And it, and uh, you can you have a great smile. It, it's amazing. <laughs> I wrote a song called "Everybody Speaks Smile," and the fact of the matter is, everybody does speak smile. We all understand it. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. There's no barriers. Everybody understands a smile and 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 understand where it's coming from. When it, especially when it meets your eye, you know it's coming from here, and it meets your eyes. You can you can almost feel it. You can feel the happiness. So, I I have a question that I you know you just gave me a segue to jump right into this, but I I have to ask this: How did your trip? I, I, impact your? Is it two sons you have? Two boys?
2: Oh, I have four kids, you know. So okay. I, I have two sons and uh, two 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 girls. Uh, but I just went with the youngest ones because the other ones are you know busy walking.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: so, but uh, yeah. So how did it impact me? So you know, when you go, uh, I, I'm sure you know maybe you have the same similar experience in in, in Greece. So, but when you go in uh, in a small town like in Kolda. So you cross a lot of villages that still don't have electricity you cross a lot of villages where people are moving around with donkeys and cows so they don't know all of our discussion about co2 emissions um you 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 meet a lot of people that don't watch cnn or whichever news you know your channel you have because they don't have uh, you know any tv to be able to to reach out with or access to internet so you watch and see a lot of people that live in total simplicity and they're all no, extremely happy, not affected by everything that is bothering many of us on a day-to-day basis, um, while living a you know from a perspective of somebody that is living in a so-called opulent city, living a very humble life, but actually living extremely happy. So, and for me, facing those people, learning about you know how even more simple you can drive, run your life, and. Uh, and how unaffected you can be, you know, when you're encountering other people by sharing your smile, sharing your heart, sharing your love. Yeah, it's something that we learn every time we go in those places.
0: Uh, you know, that's that's beautiful. I, I have to share something. You know, I I was a missionary for my church, not to get religious or anything, but I was a missionary for my church for nearly two years in Argentina. I know you've been to Argentina. I was watching a little uh, sp- uh, Spanish uh, video clip and stuff about you in Argentina. Yeah. Yeah coming from the United States, where I walk in my house, I have carpet under my feet, I have running water, I have all these things. And then I, the first place I worked in, I mean, it was nearly like you just described. I mean, these, these cinder block houses that they had built themselves, they made the cinder blocks, they put them together themselves. They did have some electricity, you know, they might have one light <laughs> in the house and stuff. But very humble and sorry i get emotional when i think about it because i learned some of the greatest lessons of my life in those villages Is those people despite their humility despite their you know what we would think are like oh my gosh these are just sparse conditions and everything they were some of the happiest people i've ever met and very resilient very happy very they, they live life simply. They, they focus on what was important in life. And, uh, it was just, it was, it was, an, it was an amazing experience. So I appreciate you sharing that, uh, because it, of course it brought back uh, strong memories for me. Uh, it's just, a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that you've done and given your, it's great that you were able to give your children that, uh, opportunity to, to see that. Um, so I'm gonna jump right, you did I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into a to a question I do have. Something that that really stood out to me right off the bat when I looked at your LinkedIn profile. And it said, of course, your smile, like we've already talked about, but then the phrase fired up and ready to pass on the passion. Now we've talked about it. You were born in Senegal. By the time you were 25, you're entering your first graduate program and you completed two undergraduate degrees, and then you, by that time you already had, you're 25 years old, and you already had almost 20 years of work experience. Now, we've got to talk a little bit about that. How is that possible? And how, that, how did that ignite the passion that you're fired up about and ready to pass on now? Well,
2: <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. So, you know, when, when, when I was uh, going to, when I started going to school, um, in, in Senegal, I was going to a primary school that was close to where my dad has a sh- shop. He was selling shoes, right? And, uh, and we used to, you know, travel with his Vespa. So I would stand in front and then he would ride his Vespa for roughly around 13 kilometers before we arrived to my school. And then he would drop me and then go to his shop. Obviously, when I finished school, I would go to his shop to wait until he finished selling his shoes so that he could get me back home and then you know first i started getting occupied by reading some newspapers that were hanging around and uh, after a while you know i was bored of reading those newspapers so i started helping out so and i started helping out selling shoes and and when you're selling shoes uh, you know i know that you know nowadays they say you know kids labor blah blah you know all the things that we but that we do learn but you know i was really indeed having fun so you you really learn how to talk to people you don't know um, you 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 learn how to be charming to potential customers that you have never spoken to um and you start learning also on being interested in you know products or whatsoever that are being sold which normally you know at five when i would go back home i would be playing soccer with my friends but before that i would be really sort of looking you know what type of leather are these shoes made of where is it coming from why is that Pair of shoes better than the other one, so that you can you know help your dad sell the shoes, because at the end of the day it was that's like how we were earning our, our, our living. So, and I did that until I was 12 uh, and by the time I, I had to go to college, I think you call it yeah, in America, so in lycée in, in our French system, um, then my dad had Open more stores, and then he would let me you know run the store at twelve, you know because uh, you know in my holidays I I, uh, I had enough experience. And then I will be running it with all the employees, but they also knew I was work, leaving there and standing there and then hanging around for 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 over six years. so I had learned a little bit to be able to collaborate and work with them and and by the time i was uh, 16 17 year i was uh, able to manage it so my dad would travel out of the country and i would be running his business because i had really learned after over 12 years uh you know how to manage all of this yeah but that's how i learned it but i learned it out of necessity rather than uh you know out of a, anything else but afterwards i i learned the passion of it because it was my dad's passion it contaminated me with that passion and then you know, when you're getting successful, when you're trying to do any type of activity, then it drives you to be, you know, even more successful, to have much more revenue, to be able to tell you that I sold more than you and all this stuff. And then, you know, that competitivity idea comes. It was not remunerated, but, you know, it was a a great learning platform for me because, you know, it truly took everything that looks like being shy away from me and anything that was looking like, interacting with people and engaging them you know i learned through all of this process so that that is what i really got from that
1: you know it's amazing because i feel like at the age of 12 you're running your own you know your dad's store and you've learned lifelong uh, lessons to the point that brings you to today running a global you know DHL is a global company and you're you know running this huge company right what's the connection between that because I know you said there was no remuneration, meaning that you weren't getting paid money to to do the work, but you were getting paid in knowledge, experience, and and wisdom and and so on. So what's the connect, like what have you, if you can tie the thread from the age of 12 to where you are right now, um, what's the connection between the two? There's gotta be a connection for what you learned early on that you still apply some of those uh, uh, principles, I guess, in your current position. yeah. So the, the so we, you know we
2: I I went through this and then I went to university. You know, and you do know, when you're doing your bachelor or master's degree, you learn a lot of stuff. But you know, I think that one thing that we not necessarily learn in at school, but rather out of uh, empirical experience or whatever you would call it, you know, is how to respectfully talk to customers. So when we are young, every customer is older than you. In our society, yes. you know, and 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 every customer deserves respect anyhow. And when you get trained for six years to talk respectfully to every customer that is popping in your store, it becomes a habit. Potentially, you know, at least. Yeah, and and when it becomes a habit, you no, know, uh, then it is not anymore something that you you have to learn. Then you start learning how to love the products that you're selling. Yeah, because after a certain number of years. You really, you know, when you're doing the inventory extra, you 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 know what? Why is this pair there? Why is that other there? And then you start having passion for convincing people to buy things that they might need rather than uh, other products because you know, you know what are the economic situation in which they're living? Why their kids they need it or why themselves they need those those solutions? So you, you get you start getting passionate about doing that, right? Um, and and whilst growing, so I have uh, nine siblings. So you know, I'm, I'm from a large family, and uh, because I was the oldest, so and my dad would let me manage the store. So he also would let me manage my sisters and brothers, right? So together with my mom, so I was also learning how to, you know, manage all these siblings, and then talk and then and, and, and connect with all of them. Still looking at you know achieving our learning targets and all this stuff. So, and then you get passionate because you learn how to serve many people. So, and for me, I think that the passion comes out of the learnings of serving many, many people that are connected or not directly connected to you, but, you know, just because it becomes a habit here.
1: Yeah, that's golden, man. That's wow. In essence, like you're running a store, but you're also with your mom running a family of eight more siblings and they're all diverse and they're all different. It's almost like your employees, right? They're all different. And by serving them and leading them as a senior leader, what an incredible impact! Wow, it's,
0: it's almost like your father left you. It, 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 maybe this isn't the way he would put it, but as the CEO of your family, <laughs> while he was away, he left you in charge. Well, I and mean, to think about it, I, I love what DHL stands for. I think it's 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 about connecting people and improving lives, right? That's a it's a big motto that that DHL has. And so, what you just told us is basically i mean that's what you've been doing all your life you've been connecting with people that you worked with with your with your siblings and you had training you know why you got training for being a father and you're there you're you're working with your mother you you, you had pre-training which a lot of us didn't have <laughs> to uh, mm-hmm. on, on being a father and so i that what a fantastic experience so here's another question for you you speak six languages fluently. Yeah. How did the discipline that you mastered, you know, through your experience in business, help you in your effort to learn those languages?
2: Well, so, you know, when I was, uh, when, when I finished, uh, my master's degree, you know, until I finished my master's degree, I was learning, learning, working to fund finance my, my, my studies. Yeah and I had no opportunity to actually travel internationally yeah so uh, by the time I finished my masters I was looking at jobs that are really in places I've never been yeah so and and so come that my first job that I had was uh, with Club Met in Yerba in Tunisia yeah so I had to go to Tunisia I stayed there in a hotel uh, you know do the financial controlling, and then in the evening, sing some Bob Marley songs or whatsoever, you know, that you have to do in those uh, entertaining places. So, and and then I started learning to entertain and to talk to people that are coming from many different geographies in that that place. So the only language I really had, you know, masterized until then was Spanish. And Spanish, we learned in Senegal very early in my generation, we all learned it because we all used to listen to salsa music. And, uh, you know, when you listen to Cuban music, right? And and to mm-hmm. be able to understand what the Cuban was singing, so I started learning Spanish so that I couldn't translate it for myself because otherwise, you know, the music doesn't really speak to you. So I really, you know, learned uh, Spanish through music. I never used it for anything else than, than just for listening to music and then trying to understand what it is. Now I can converse and talk to many different people, but that was a major rationale for me learning Spanish. And then, uh, English, you know when you're doing a master's so I was in the French system you know everybody speaks French I'm sure uh, uh, doctor knows that you know uh, the, you know when you are in the French system if you don't really pay attention you end up speaking only French and then you know good luck with international business uh, so yeah um, and what I had realized was that many Americans that were coming to Paris or you know people who were really sort of progressing the international studies, could speak English. So, you know, I I I then decided to go to England to spend some time with a with an English family, um, you know, to to learn English uh, because I knew it is important for my you know future career. So that's why I learned English. I learned English because I wanted to do business. Yeah. And then afterwards, when I finished, I had the opportunity to go and work in Germany. So I worked there for one year in an international department where nobody asked me to speak uh, German, but when I tried then to leave Germany to go in and uh, to go back to Paris, the people in France were interviewing me, asking how is your German, which was zero. Yeah, <laughs> therefore I found myself in the obligation to return back to Germany to learn German, and that's how I integrated the company, which you know, which had nobody speaking French, nobody speaking English or whatsoever that I could understand. So I learned German. <laughs> So and really, that's how it has built up, you know, out of necessity, opportunity, obligation,
1: um, hobby. So and that's how I learned most of these languages. Yeah. Yeah, but but I, I think there's something unique about you, Amadu, because a lot of people would say, well, I enjoy Spanish music. I don't know what they're saying. I like to dance salsa and uh, or listen to Cuban music and all that. That's great rhythm, but I don't necessarily need to understand the words that they're saying. There's something in you that you have a curious mind. That says not only do I want to I love the music I love the movement I love the dancing but I also want to understand the meaning behind those and that's something that's unique in you don't think that everybody's like that they're not
2: uh, yeah but I hope that many people would be like that because I always share with all of my colleagues you know your curiosity is the most important asset that you need to develop every day because
1: you know that's how we have continuous learning that, that that's a wisdom bomb right there. You got to record. That is a clip right there, my friend. That's perfect. Yes, curiosity is a huge yes.
0: Well, and it, it, it just it it drives everything you do. If if you're if you're not curious, if you don't want to learn, if you have no desire to expand your understanding, then life is pretty boring. <laughs> it's not life. It's not living. Think about
1: it, any invention that we have in the history of humankind, somebody was curious to ask the question: "I wonder how this works." I wonder what would happen if that curiosity has led to experimentation, which led to multiple failures, as you know, until somebody got got it right. But it, without curiosity, there's no progress in this, in society. I think in, in general. Um, uh, you're a man known for your friendly demeanor and your very open communication. I mean, we can see this even here today. How has that helped you nurture your friendships at DHL with colleagues from across the globe? Because you are truly a global company and you represent so many uh, countries. So, how has that helped you as a leader specifically?
2: Well, so you know, when I uh, when I was in Germany, so when when uh, our group Deutsche Post uh, started globalizing, so you know they. They, they, they needed some international folks to be working at the Ministry of Force and Telecommunication in Germany. Uh, I'm sure if it doesn't say anything to Randall but you, you, you will know what a civil servant organization that is a pure German organization looks like. So and I was lucky to be picked to come and work at the head office to help on this you know expansion. So I was working in a pure German environment and they needed people who are a little bit connected to the rest of the world. And uh, and when you're working in a civil servant organization coming to, from the private is already a challenge. If you're working in Germany coming from Senegal is a challenge. Um, if you are now working towards making sure that this organization can connect with other international organization, it's a lot of bridging that you need to do. And for that to happen, you have to be. I think, and and I I think that it's valid for every other part of life. You have to be, first of all, very kind, gracious, respectful, and open for input and not taking any input for an insult, but rather just as an input. Um, and, And secondly, be able to replicate to those inputs by your own input in a respectful manner so that people can listen to you in a graceful manner so people maybe can feel what you're trying to say. And then when you are bridging, you have to do it, you know, in German with the, the German side of the organization, but also in English when you are in, uh, you know, uh, working in England or in French when you are in France or all the other places. Because by the time we had to do this integration, I had additional six years of experience in Germany, which is like my, for, for me, the mark of experience that you need. And therefore I was able to understand the German culture and the culture of our enterprise very well and be able to share with people that were acquired in France or in Spain or other places. So this is really how how, how, how I have, have been using this bridging but I know that the bridging doesn't take place I mean connecting with people cannot happen without you know an act of kindness
0: there's another wisdom bomb right there <laughs> connecting people with people cannot occur without having kindness love it
1: you know it, the one thing that I loved about what you said I gonna do it had to do with the input and and uh, you know I, I say when you're receiving feedback, don't say no don't get defensive actually ask for more feedback like inquire more if you want to progress and grow not not only as a leader but also as a human being too so you know and that requires some humility because if you have your ego involved the first thing is like well i don't like what i'm hearing so i'm going to either defend myself or go on the attack versus uh you know getting quiet inside and getting more contemplative and, and maybe asking give me more feedback tell me more about you know how i can improve so I, I love that. That's another thing that I picked out from what you just said.
0: And my goodness, I, it, it, we could go on for a long time. Uh, there's a, much more we could talk about. I do want to ask one more question that wasn't on our list, but you're involved with an organization called AMREF. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what AMREF is and, and, and what your involvement is
2: Okay, so, so you know, so in our organization, actually, in general, we try to motivate more people to volunteer, to have some volunteering activities, right? So, and uh, we, we started with a lady called uh, Anita Gupta. She's uh, from, from from India, you know, she was living in the US. So, we and, and her team, we started the first uh, global volunteering activities within Dr. Post DHL. I call it as a startup in Singapore, where we had like 128 people. Volunteering to go and help in orphanage or uh, elderly people, etc., and that de- de- evolved to become an organization that has now over hundred ten thousand volunteers in our company that that really sacrifice time to go and help in the local communities. So, oh, um, so and 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 then uh, you know af- after having done that type of activity or some social activities in my own city in my village, uh, um, you know. And, and maturing a bit, uh, I, I, I saw that we have you know three elements that I think are necessary for every human being. So the first one is you know, to avoid people being hungry, uh, and to support people not to be hungry uh, by enabling them to farm or sow. That's why I am in, at Hilfe. It's, uh, it's an organization that, that is for zero hunger across the globe. Then I think that you know people uh, need to be healthy. Um, you know, and, and hence uh, AMREF stands for African Medical Research Foundation, is uh, an NGO that was founded in 1957 in Kenya. Um, we have branches in many different places, and now we you know, I, I've been chair of that organization now for six, seven years since I went, went back to Germany from Singapore. And what we try to do. Um, now we're rebranding it. It's gonna be called Gesundes Africa, that means healthy Africa in German, so that the Germans can understand what you're doing, yeah, because it's based in German. And, and, and what we try to do is really help build capacity in many different places in Africa so that people can you know manage their health themselves, yeah. Um, with knowledge and everything, you know, you're learning and, and, and everything. And then there's a third organization that I'm uh, working on, which wasn't part of those that you listed before. So I'm also sitting on the board of Global Business School Network. It's an NGO that is based out of Washington, DC, um, which is working with roughly around 75 to 80 universities by now. We're really trying to make sure that teachers that are teaching at MIT or in some elite universities, that those teachers are accessible to people who are studying in Ghana, in Senegal, in Pakistan, or some places where actually we don't have the infrastructure. So these are the things that I'm trying to work on. And for me, you know, there are many, many ways of giving back to society because I was given a lot of chances myself. And, uh, you know, there are many, many ways of saying thank you to people who have helped you. But, you know, I think the best way of thanking them is to help many more people, and not to go back to them and say thank you. And there's many ways to be gracious around, you know, the opportunities that I've had because I've grown. Yes, you know, I have titles and all this stuff, but I know that, you know, if it wasn't for the police that I was working with, if it wasn't for the bosses that I've had, if it wasn't for the challenges that I've encountered, I wouldn't grow. So I you know all these people have helped me grow. So, and, and and I cannot say thank you to them because, you know, they are they don't need my thank you, but I can be gracious to many other people.
0: Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. We want to.
1: Yeah. I don't feel. I was going to ask you know what are the three tips or actionable tips you know for uh, for our audience and so on. But I think he just described exactly what we were going to ask him, without even knowing our last question. You you know these are the. This is the way that as a human being, uh, you honor your brothers and sisters across the globe and. Uh, know a lot of people that helped you and helped me and have helped randy along the way are you know a lot of them are deceased actually they're not even around on this earth anymore because they're, they're they've passed on so we can't directly thank them that way but we can thank them by our actions that we take to bless people's lives from across socioeconomic status across countries across um you know religions just across in what unites us really is our humanity. And I feel like you have such a healthy pers- perspective about what's important in life. Uh, I mean, you've just described it in just very simple terms, what's really most important it is to be gracious, to be kind, to be polite, to love, to communicate, to support others that are less fortunate than we are and to do it from your heart. And I feel like you exemplify that. So. I, you know, right and I thank you just for who you are, not, not, not even for this interview, just for the person that you are. Thank you, Amadou.
0: It, you know, you've. I, I'm coming away from this. We're, we're about, we need to wrap up. I'm going to come, I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm, I'm. I'm coming away from this totally inspired. I feel great. I feel fired up. I feel like, it, you know, I, of course... I, I try every day. I, I call myself the kindness giver for a reason. I, I'm passionate about being kind and, and, uh, and Amadou, you've just given me even more reason for, for being passionate about being kind and, and getting to know people and, and, and connecting with people. So we wanna thank you from the top of our heads down to the bottom of our feet, in the middle of the center of our hearts for joining us today, for being part of the show. And for sharing your your amazing story, your insights, your wisdom, and uh, for inspiring our audience, you know, if three things that I would I took away from this: be kind, honor those who have been kind to you by being kind <laughs> by serving others, and look out for opportunities to serve wherever you go. And and it, well, and the fourth thing: smile. It's it, it's good to smile.
2: Yeah. So I always uh, say. Share your love and pass on the passion. So, And for me, um, yeah,
0: that's what I try to do every day. Share your love and pass on the passion. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you to our audience for joining us today. We appreciate you, Amadou. Thank you, Elia, for joining us from Greece. It truly has been an international conversation today. We want to thank our audience for joining us today and appreciate you uh, being part of our show. We invite you to join us for another great episode next week where we will be sharing with you the amazing Russ Johns. He's the founder of the Pirate Syndicate, the host of the Pirate Broadcast, has an amazing story to share. Here's a guy who has overcome tremendous challenges and managed to conti- manages to continue every day reminding people that kindness is cool and smiles are free and inviting everyone to enjoy the day. You will not want to miss out on the wonderful wisdom and insights he has to share. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Remember, as Russ would say, kindness is cool, smiles are free. Go out and embrace kindness. Go mad. Go make a difference. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for guests or discussion topics, please send a message via our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash kindness-happiness or send an email to randy at with the subject podcast suggestion remember kindness is a choice
1: and happiness is a choice always so choose to be kind and choose to be happy today and good things will follow
0: have a wonderful rest of your day